0: Welcome to Category Five Technology TV, episode number four twenty, for Tuesday, the sixth of October, twenty fifteen. Nice to see you. Tonight we've got quite the show in store for you. We've got James Avery is joining us from Adzerk. They're an online advertising company. We're going to be talking about the problem with online ads. They suck. What can we do to make them better? We're going to talk to the CEO from Adzerk in just a couple minutes' time. Also, after that, uh, we're going to be checking in with Jason Man- uh, Manella from Teeny Drones. And uh, you're familiar with them. Uh, we're going to be looking at their product line, uh, the uh, flagship Teeny Drone, uh, little microscopic drones. we are to be checking those out as well as looking at uh, a coming build uh, so that we can build a racing drone as well. So that's all coming up. going to be an intense show. Enjoy the show, folks. Sasha Dermatis over there in the newsroom. How are you?
1: I am great. It's going to be a great hour. Here's what's coming up in the Category 5.TV newsroom. Patreon's database has been compromised, but lucky for us, they use a strong encryption on their data. A fuel additive has been successfully tested to reduce the explosiveness of jet and diesel fuel. Japan will have driverless taxis on the roads next year. There's a new round of stage fright vulnerabilities that allow attackers to execute malicious code on more than one billion Android phones. And Amazon will stop selling Apple and Google streaming media players effective later this month. Stick around, the full details are coming up later in the show.
2: This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble, Krista Wells,
0: Eric Kidd, and your host, Robbie Ferguson. Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. So nice to have you here. And tonight we are talking with uh, James Avery from Adzerk. Adzerk is an online advertising agency that serves up billions of ad impressions each and every month. Customers using their technology include Reddit, BitTorrent, uh, Stack Overflow. Uh, James Avery, of course, the CEO of Adzerk. He's here to join us uh, tonight uh, and discuss the state of advertising in general. James, thank you so much for being here on the show.
2: Absolutely. Happy to be here.
0: James, uh, there, there's a problem with advertising right now. We're going to get right into it. Um, what is happening? Uh, I see this trend where we're, we've got so many advertisements that are bombarding us online, some of them malicious, some of them um, causing stability or possibly um, uh, performance issues on websites. So the trend is is that people end up adding ad blockers to their computers and things like that and it's having a, a terrible impact on some of the legitimate advertisers out there. Can you share a little bit about, uh, about your perspective on this, being the, the CEO at Adzerk?
2: Yeah, so, uh, so Adzerk is a little bit different in that we, we try to work with publishers who are, who are building native ads or building ads that really tie in better to, to how a website is used. Um, or selling ads directly which is kind of the the old-fashioned way of doing it which is actually talking to an advertiser taking their money and then running the ad on the site um, right over the last you know over the last kind of four or five years especially we've had this explosion in in what we call like ad tech um, which is really building these more and more sophisticated ways uh, to serve ads on a, on a given website and a lot of it's based on uh, audience like who you are uh, so previously it would be you know if you went to, a local Toronto news site, they would target you based on the fact that you live in Toronto or maybe you're viewing the sports page, so you you care about hockey, right. um, you know, but then it started to become a, a, a game of basically learning as much information about you and storing that in an online profile. So when you went to that sports site, they would tag you as a, as a sports fan or a hockey fan. when you went to something in Toronto, they'd tag you as living in Toronto. Uh, But then when you went to look at a website, you'd get uh, a pixel added to you, you know, to, you know, data added to your user profile to say you're interested in this, you know, this kind of utility or this kind of, uh, you know, online software. Uh, And then it was, you know, all the targeting is based on who you are as a user and not based on the site anymore. Uh, Hmm. And what that does is added all of these layers of abstraction. So that when you actually go to a site, one more than ever before, it's no longer just an image or like a simple, you know, single ad call uh, to load the ads. It's they could be doing you know forty or fifty requests to load your ad. Wow! Uh, it, and that's because they're they're hitting so many different pixels or different yeah. request servers. Um,
0: James, is this something that uh, I know our browsers these days have a Do Not Track little checkbox that we can set? Is this something that is uh, that impacts ads' abilities to track us like this?
2: Yeah, so unfortunately, nobody really pays attention to that Do Not Track. Uh, we're actually, we're one of the first, uh, we just recently announced that we we joined uh, the EFF's uh, coalition, uh, their Do Not Track coalition, to actually start giving our customers the ability to honor Do Not Track. Uh, but for the most part, no online no online ad tech companies honor that uh, header. Wow. Uh, basically, in the browser, you can set Do Not Track, and it then sends a header on each request. Uh, but there's no reason that they don't need to do it, that there's nothing pushing them to do it. Um, Mozilla has actually done a lot in this space, and they're getting ready to turn on something called tracking protection, where what you can do is then say block anything that doesn't honor the Do Not Track. Um, so it's good that the browsers are kind of starting to get into this. Um, of course, it can only go so far since you know Google Chrome is the the you know most popular browser, is right. run by the world's largest advertising company. So they're not going to be incentivized to really cut down on uh, online tracking. That
0: almost seems like a bit of a catch-22 for sure. Um, When we were looking, uh, Sasha had a news story a couple weeks ago about um, how uh, malicious ad code was used to inject um, a DDoS attack program into millions, or I guess hundreds of thousands of phones. It was somewhere in the range of 750,000 phones, I believe, in, in mainland China. So these phones were then able to DDoS uh, an unknown server uh, with an astronomical amount of traffic. So Cloudflare's assumption was that, or at least what they had found, is that it seemed this had come in through ad um, through ad serving online. And and the fear is, is that, okay, I as a user hear something like that and the first thing that I'm going to want to do is install an ad blocker. Uh, but then while I'm protecting myself in one regards, now I go to my favorite news site or possibly uh, an online resource such as category5.tv, and I'm blocking the ads there for a legitimate revenue stream that's that's going to those services that I use. So ad blockers can kind of come across as being malicious in a way, can they not?
2: um, Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that ad blockers, I mean, I think it's almost, they're becoming almost a necessity with with some of the malware that's out there and the Mm -hmm. amount of requests and the performance issues. And especially if you're on mobile, you know, that's your, that's your data plan getting eaten up. Um, I think like, uh, the New York times did an article recently that showed that, you know, like 50% of, I think it was boston.com was, was advertising or 60%. So if you're downloading it, you know, 60% of that content was, was ad
0: content. Wow.
2: Um, so it's like that's that's a huge hit to your data plan. It's a huge hit to your privacy because they're tracking you in ways that you don't understand and you haven't given them access to. And then also it has the potential for malware.
0: And these are, uh, legitimate, uh, companies. Yeah, I mean, these are legitimate companies. That seems irresponsible to me if, as an advertiser to be putting that level of advertising in the faces of my my users.
2: Well, and it's really the publishers, right? So it's a what's happened is the the publishers, especially lots of these more traditional publishers have been really crunched for money, right? Because the sure. whole idea was turning print dollars into digital dimes, but then they're doing whatever they can to make to make money from, you know, their digital ads. And when it when it's, you know, install another pixel or install another, you know, script tag, they do it because they need that money. So a lot of, in a lot of ways the publishers have been, you know, hurt by the move to digital, especially traditional publishers. Sure. And they're not tech companies, so they're not out there inventing their own types of advertising like facebook or or Twitter or Google. They're relying on these ad tech companies, and that's kind of caused this you know all this level of like abstraction and misdirection sure. uh, and that's what really enables fraud you know fraud and malware so fraud and malware are both only possible because the system is so complex, so mm-hmm. you can go and you know if you're trying to get malware out there, you can go and load up an ad, get it approved, it looks like a legitimate ad and then switch it out, you know, just switch the DNS of where it was pointing so that now it's pointing to uh, to some sort of malware install. And there's really, there's no way that the publisher is ever going to know that that's being served. Um, uh, the only way they can do it crazy. is there's, there's actually, there's companies out there that will that will scan it for you, basically, okay. or scanning it from different IPs and things like that, but it's very reactive, right? Like, it might, it might take 15 minutes or, or 10 minutes or 30 minutes, uh, and then you have to go turn it off, and so there's a human involved to, like, turn it off so you're talking about you know how many people would get infected if New York Times was serving malware for 15 minutes, you know, or even right. one minute, you know. So I think that's because it's become so complex and there's so much, you know, abstraction and misdirection around ad tech that it's become easy to to slip things like malware in. And then also fraud is the other big thing, which is hurting legitimate publishers. Is that uh, like there's a company AppNexus, who's a Who's a large exchange that they came out publicly recently and said that when they started checking for fraud, sixty percent of their traffic was fraud oh, you know we 're talking about you know that 's tens of billions, if not you know probably one hundred billion impressions a month of just fraudulent traffic that advertisers were paying for
0: right now this is uh, these are all really huge numbers, so how does uh, a small blog uh, compete with this kind of thing? how do we as content publishers, how do we combat this or, or is there any hope for online advertisers?
2: I think there is. I mean I think for for publishers I think there's a lot of hope um uh, because I think that things are going to get better. Um I think one of the things is helping to drive one of the problems that advertisers are driving, you know, they kind of they get to drive this in a lot of ways like yeah. the big advertisers who are spending the large amount of money um they get to drive where things go, but you see big publishers like Facebook and Google and people like that who have built out better systems, um, and then the advertisers kind of have to go to them because they have such a big audience. Uh, I mean, we've seen with our, you know, with a lot of our publishers, they draw a line and they say, we're not going to do that stuff. You know, like Reddit sells, you know, almost exclusively direct to advertisers that want to work with them. They don't don't put tracking pixels. They have a very strict privacy policy. Like, that's not the norm, but we think that the newer, more tech-focused publishers are moving that way. Um, and I think that the traditional publishers gonna are going to have to catch up and they're going to have to become more technically savvy and and build innovative things that help sure. them differentiate themselves.
0: What, what kind of technologies should uh, developers be focusing on and what technologies should be left kind of in, in the past?
2: Yeah, I mean, so one of the things we do uh, at Adzerk to kind of promote ourselves for a second is that, sure. you know, we have a... You know, we provide an API for for publishers to be able to build their own, you know, native ad systems. So, you know, Reddit has like a native ad system where you can sponsor a post on Reddit, um, which is great because that's something that's unique to Reddit. You can't sponsor a Reddit post anywhere else. You can't mm. get that kind of exposure anywhere else. Um, and basically, and they can use our API to kind of, you know, they don't have to build all the the backend to do it. You know, they don't have to go build their own ad server and things like that. Like we we give them those tools, but then they're doing the innovate the innovation and building something unique that they can sell to advertisers. Gotcha. Um, and that's really where I think advertising needs to change is that there's, you know, we, we haven't had any rules or guidelines for publishers around what's acceptable. Um, and things like, you know, we need to honor do not track. If a user doesn't want to be tracked, we need to honor that. And maybe that means you, you try to get that person to sign up for a subscription or you try to promote something else or or you sell specifically to, you know, to advertisers trying to reach people who are privacy conscious or, or are high tech. Mm-hmm. Um, But also just things like trying to limit the amount of bandwidth and latency and things like that added by uh, advertising. Like it's not it's not that hard. Like it actually you know it used to be that way. It used to be that advertising was really you know low cost. But as we've added so much on top of it, um, that it's become this way. And I think there you could set some reasonable guidelines to say ten percent of you know ten percent of the payload should be ads. Like that's reasonable, right? Like or even twenty percent, right? Because that's like kind of what a you know, I don't know how much how many commercials there are on a TV show, but it's something like that, like twenty oh, it's, minutes. It's an for a, unreasonable you
0: know, amount for sure. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the truth, right? I mean, we're that's what pays the bills, I guess, in many ways. But so, as the CEO of Adzerk, um, do you see um, do you see ad blocking software working with companies such as Adzerk to say, okay, here is a, a responsible advertising agency, so let's let these ads through. I mean, there has to be. I can't yeah, see any some, other way. Some for, of
2: that, Yeah, there's definitely some of that already going on. Yeah. So Adblock Plus has what's called the Acceptable Ads Program. Okay. Uh, which for a long time has been kinda of lampooned for being extortion because, you know, mm. people would say Yeah, like, pay I'll
0: aid. pay you, you to get on that list. Right, to let to like my ads. Through. Sure.
2: List. Yeah. Um but what they're actually doing now is they're they're moving it to an independent goes on or not on the list. Um so I think that's that's interesting. That's a good step forward. Okay. Um, and then I think also AdBlock, like normal AdBlock, not AdBlock Plus, um, yeah. has agreed to use that same list. Uh, and I agree, one of the one of the larger iOS content blockers uh, has also agreed to use that list. So I think that's that's a good step forward. Uh, but I don't think that's it's totally fair in that regard of like you know kind of giving this independent board the ability to decide what is an acceptable ad. Right. Um, you know, as a tech person, I'd like to think that we can come up with a, a better technology solution to this. The problem uh, so is that
0: there's always malicious use for this stuff. I mean, I think about uh, Flash, for example. How could you, as the advertising publisher, um, know that there, whether or not there's malicious code within that Flash file? So is the answer just to cut Flash entirely from? Oh, totally.
2: Yeah, Flash has already been cut. Like Chrome has already cut Flash, um, which is good. But I mean, it, Flash Flash was notorious for being really bad about it. But there's also the possibility that. You know you can write malicious javascript you know if there's a sure. if there's a vulnerability in the I've browser seen. um you know you can write malicious javascript so it's never going to be 100 percent because i mean somebody could hack your site and load malicious javascript you know like there's always going to be a level yeah, right. that's possible yeah. the problem is with with the current ad tech system we've made it really really easy for somebody to get massive distribution for malware uh and that's what needs to stop,
0: right? Just pay the high bid, and and your ad is being displayed to millions of people potentially, right?
2: And you're probably not even going to pay your bill, right? Because they're probably getting billed afterwards, <laughs> and you know it's probably going to be hard to find the you know Chinese malware distributor to get them to pay his ad bill.
0: Sure, yeah. Just uh, as an example, for sure. Uh, what is your vision, James? Uh, we're speaking with James Avery, the CEO of Adzerk. Uh, you can check them out at adzerk.com. What's your vision of the future of advertising?
2: So I think I think advertising has to get a lot more innovative and a lot more in line with how users use the internet. So if you think about this, you know, we, we kind of just went with the, the billboard newspaper, you know, commercial model and put it on the internet. But there's actually a, a huge amount of interactivity that you can, you know, you can take part of on the internet that we haven't, you know, used with advertising. And how do we make advertising that is relevant to the user and something they're interested in and something they can possibly interact with, like these things will actually make it compelling. Uh, You know, there are good ads on the internet. They're just not, there's just not enough of them. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, when we get to native ads where we're talking about, you know, sponsored content or, you know, a sponsored Reddit post or somebody says something really nice about you on Twitter, like you should promote that. Mm -hmm. Um, And too often, that's just the advertisers haven't picked up on that yet. Too often, like sponsored tweets on Twitter are just, you know, the company saying, hey, buy our product. Yeah. That's not interesting. Like, why don't you, you know, it's like, you shouldn't be like, hey, watch category five this week. It should be. You know, pay to promote somebody who said, hey, just saw this awesome episode, you know, of Category 5. Like, that's a better way to promote it because it's more organic and it's more promoting, you know, why I'm going to Twitter. I'm not going to see ads. I'm going to see what other people think.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's uh, a gray area for sure. And it's a tough thing because there's this line of, okay, do not track, but show me relevant advertising. And with something as specific as Category 5 technology TV as an example, I can guess, okay, well, we've shown this product, this product, and this product on the show. There's probably some interest surrounding those, so I'm going to place ads on my site for those products, and they'll link out to places that you can buy it, for example. But it's pretty impossible for me to continually do that as a content publisher. I, I really rely on the the third-party advertising providers, and maybe that's you know the scale of, maybe that's the difference between someone like Reddit, who have entire staff that dedicate themselves to this versus a smaller blog or online webcast. So where, where's the, where's the balance for us?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think the, for me, I mean, I would, I would be curious you know what the, you know, banners on your website could pay versus, you know, somebody who is, you know, sponsoring a, a segment on the show or something like right. that. Like, I feel like yeah. that would be a lot higher value and it is harder and it does, it is, you know, it, it does take more work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like when it can provide enough value, I think it's really interesting. And I think you'll start to see, you know, the old ad networks were kind of problematic because there are usually people that weren't involved. Uh, but I think like something that I think we'll see a lot more of is things like uh radiotopia. Sometimes if you're familiar with them, they're a, uh, it's a podcasting collective. Okay. Uh, and basically I think what they've done is they've, they've kind of built, it's part of a nonprofit. It's part of PRX, which is a nonprofit. Um, and what they've done is they've kind of built this, you know, coalition of podcasts and they're helping sell advertising for podcasts where the you know the host oh, isn't cool. somebody who's going to go sell their own advertising. Um, and I think you should, you, I think we should see more of that kind of stuff. I think that's the kind of stuff that could really help. And these are you know going back to like the old form of ad network of you know getting like-minded groups together,
0: right? That okay. have
2: similar content and selling yeah. it for them. But ad networks really got perverted, you know, or perverted into these these monstrosities that just did everything programmatically and it was all about you know mm-hmm. making money. Sure. Um, You know, make it for the ad network, not necessarily for the publisher.
0: True, true. James, uh, we're speaking with James Avery from Adzerk. Uh, James, where can users, viewers go to find out more about uh, the direction that that ads need to take, uh, about your products and services as well?
2: Yeah, so if you go to adzerk.com and you go to our blog, uh, we post a decent amount there. Um, I think we also have links to, uh, I've written a couple of op-ed pieces for Ad exchanger recently, especially around, like, how can we improve advertising uh, and how can we kind of, you know, fix these these problems that are in the system right now?
0: Very good. James Avery from Adzerk. Thanks for being here, man. Appreciate you Absolutely. sharing your expertise. Um, of course, the internet is, is so uh, funded by the ads that you see. And so the instant that you decide, okay, I'm going to install an ad blocker because of a particular service is malicious or you've heard some, some rumors that JavaScript is being used to exploit computers and so the de facto thing is to install an ad blocker and you don't realize maybe that you're possibly hurting the revenue streams of other service providers. That's our perspective but then you as a content provider, a blogger, maybe you've got your own uh, podcast or, or show online, uh, you, you tend to rely on those uh, those ads uh, for your revenue and to be able to keep the, the bills paid. So uh, so it's something to consider. Uh, James, appreciate your time. Thanks for being here.
2: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Thanks. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Just reach over here. Welcome to the show. Episode number 420 for Tuesday, the, uh, the 6th of October. It's nice to have you here. Sasha? How are you?
1: I am great. All right. I will first tell you that um, Category5.tv, sorry, nervous, is a member of the (laughs) Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here, which is Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters, which is found at Cat5.tv slash IAIB.
0: What a, what a week, eh? We've been having. It's, it's been a pretty awesome time. Welcome to everybody who's joining us for the first time tonight. Nice to see a, a pretty packed out studio as well. Nice to have everybody here. Uh, and we've got some people who have traveled uh, from afar to be here as well. And we're going to be bringing J- uh, Jason on the show from teenybdrones.com uh, in a couple minutes' time. Feel- How have you been? It's you're, you're way over there in, in the uh, news set.
1: been great. I think after this episode, everybody's going to get drones for Christmas.
0: Ooh. This is how I feel the
1: direction we'll go. Teeny drones to, teeny to drones, boot. Teeny yeah. drones, they fit in and,
0: we're, and we're going to talk all about teeny drones, but if you haven't checked them out yet, you can go to cat5.tv slash teeny drones. Uh, I've been enjoying playing with it, but uh, a great way to learn how to fly a, a drone because it is a six axis gyro so you can learn to fly on this little one that if you crash it it doesn't explode it doesn't break into a million pieces you can keep flying mm-hmm. uh, and so then you can work your way up to something a little more expensive but this is a great entry level drone uh, to get you started so perfect uh, and we're going to be talking to jason from teeny drones in just a couple minutes time so if we're ready i'm we'll ready. Head over to the newsroom
1: all right it's tuesday october sixth, two 2015 and here are the stories we're covering this week A hacked attack on Patreon's database has caused the leak of some information about Patreon users, but your passwords, payment information, and other sensitive information is safely encrypted. A fuel additive has been successfully tested to reduce the explosiveness of jet and diesel fuel. Tonight, I'll have the details on how this may save lives by making fuel tanks much less volatile in the event of a crash or attack. A taxi company in Japan will begin testing their driverless taxis on roads outside of Tokyo beginning next year. They're calling it Stage Fright 2.0, and it allows malicious code to be executed on practically any Android device going all the way back to Android 1.0. We'll tell you what you need to know coming up. And Amazon is taking a sledgehammer approach to drive more users to purchase their line of TV media devices. They're cutting out Apple and Google media media devices from the Amazon shop. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere.
0: You've got mad skills. Now hone them. Learn new skills or improve your existing ones with online video tutorials and training from lynda.com through our special link at cat5.tv slash lynda. Learn software, technology, creative, and business skills you can use today to help you achieve your professional goals. Join today and start learning. We'll give you this chance to try it absolutely free with unlimited access to all of the courses. Sign up now for free, cat5.tv slash I'm
1: Sasha Dermatis, and here are the top stories from the Category 5.tv newsroom. About 15 gigabytes of data, including names, addresses, and donation information, have been published online following a hack attack on crowdfunding site Patreon. Patreon allows people to make regular donations to artists for projects. Projects currently seeking funding include a science video series featuring former International Space Station Commander Chris Hadfield, and Category 5 uses Patreon to fund this show as well as the other programs we offer. With that in mind, we are entirely confident that the payment information was not accessed. According to Chief Executive Jack Kant, credit card details were not stolen. In fact, he revealed that they do not store full credit card numbers on their servers and no credit card numbers were compromised. In addition, although accessed, all passwords, social security numbers, and tax form information remain safely encrypted with a 2048-bit RSA key. He said that the passwords were stored only in their encrypted forms, and so accounts are generally safe, but users are still urged to change login details just as a precaution. According to Patreon's statistics, the site attracted 16 million viewers per month as of this past June. The site was breached during a test or a debug version of the site, useful for developers, but in this case, also visible to the public. So, Robbie, if... Patreon users are worried in any way, like our Patreon users. All they have to do is change their login password or their entire login information. Well, I
0: think the the password is the key thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's good to note that uh, Patreon used good security practices in order to store your data. Um, It's an unfortunate case where... uh, and, and I, it could be spun any, any way. I mean, there are tons of news stories out there that are spinning it that there's been this huge data breach, and it is a huge data breach, but the data is encrypted. And it's strong encryption, so we have that assurance that, hey, everything was put in place by Patreon to protect our data. So when when... A data breach occurs and your passwords are stored in plain text format. A good example would be the Sony hack where personal information was stored in Excel spreadsheets and unencrypted and and perfectly available for anyone to read and share. That's one thing. Now, as a, a, a fully encrypted database... There's not a lot of information there that can be used against you, but they are saying that, that hey, it's probably best that you change your password just to be safe. It's like a precautionary to, to give you that reassurance that, hey, I've changed my password, so I'm cool. But payment data, passwords, all that, social security numbers, everything that has to do with identity theft or anything like that were fully encrypted and, and should be considered. you know okay. Well, they were taken, but they can't be read
1: so this is So
0: it's it's one of those tough it's situations. It's like a
1: good story, bad story. Yeah, a like, little, little bit. There was a data breach, but guess what? We passed the test.
0: Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a shame that it happened and it shouldn't have happened, but mm-hmm. at least our data is is stored securely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like if a, a backup drive had all of your files on it and personal files at that and it was sitting on the front seat of your car and somebody broke the window and took it. Well, If they're just stored on on the hard drive, they can just plug it into a computer and access all the files. No problem with it, right? If it's encrypted, however, they'll plug it in and it's just a bunch of gibberish. Mm -hmm. So that's what you want is that things be encrypted.
1: Right. So thank you to our Patreon viewers.
0: Yeah, it's it's a tough call because it, I I want you to to understand that because we do use Patreon, right? Mm-hmm. And and perhaps I should say if you're if you have lost any confidence in them at all, which I would suggest that you you reconsider that because like I say they they have safe uh, storage uh, uh, methodologies and and things like that. Uh but we do have donate.category5.tv that's another way that you can support us. We have monthly contributions available to you uh via PayPal as well. And uh, simply shopping through our affiliate links, our partner links, is a great way to support the show as well.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Robbie. Chemical engineers have produced an additive for jet fuel that reduces the risk of violent explosions, but at least in laboratory tests, does not compromise engine function. They say it could cut the likelihood of fireballs erupting when an aircraft and other vehicles crash or are attacked. It contains very long polymer molecules, which stop the fuel for, from forming tiny explosive droplets, but then they break when it throws through the, the pipes and then rejoin. Efforts to produce explosion prevention additives, including a major initiative followed, following a deadly runway collision in Tenerife in 1977, have been hampered by twin problems relating to the chemistry of hydrocarbon fuels. Once they had a polymer that looked promising, the team added it to both diesel and jet fuel and tested how well it prevented explosions, both before and after putting it through a fuel pump 50 times. The results have been promising. Tests included shooting a projectile at fuel tanks with a propane torch burning in the backsplash. In treated fuel, the droplets in the mist were bigger and any tiny ignitions quickly extinguished themselves whereas the untreated fuel tanks predictably turned almost instantly into a fireball. That'd be a fun test to watch. (laughs) Tests in generator motors and a diesel engine showed that the fuel was just as efficient with the additive and even produced less soot than untreated diesel. If future development goes well, the additive could be available for commercial use in two years, for diesel fuel, and five five to seven years for aviation fuel. So that's a real breaking news story for things like a, like aviation where plane crashes sometimes it's a mislanding that can cause a really big explosion if they could hamper that and add with sounds well, good that to me saves lives all right while the western world continues to trial its driverless cars without any paying customers in them japan's robot taxi inc is taking the bold step of testing a driverless taxi service next year For the initial test run, the service will be offered to around 50 people outside of Tokyo with the driverless cars taking them from their homes to local grocery stores. A human operator will remain in the driver's seat just in case there are any hiccups. In total, the cabs, which will be retrofitted Toyota Estima hybrid minivans, will drive a distance of about 3 kilometers, part of which will be on major roads in the city. If the trial goes well, Robot Taxi Inc. hopes to have a commercial service up and running by the year 2020. Judging by the company's promotional video, the service will be aimed at an older crowd rather than early adopters. Initially, the taxis will run routes in places where the public transport isn't readily available as well as help ferry tourists around. Wow, that'll be awesome. I can't wait (laughs) for that to happen in Canada.
0: (laughs) It reminds me of the, uh, was it the Johnny Cab? Was it uh, Total Recall? I think it was. Anybody remember that movie? The original. <laughs> not, not the remake. Forget about the remake. It didn't happen. But the original. The Johnny Cab. No clue. It was... It was,
1: it was, was it a driverless it was, cab? Yeah.
0: It was like uh, they were looking to the future and they figured it out.
1: Yes. And now here we are. Here we are. Alright, there's a new round of Stage Fright vulnerabilities that allows attackers to execute malicious code on more than 1 billion phones running ancient as well as much more recent versions of Google Android's operating system. Stage Fright 2.0, as it's being dubbed by researchers from security firm Zipirium, is a set of two bugs that are triggered when processing specifically designed MP3 audio or MP3 video, or MP4 video files. The first flaw, which is found in the LibUtils library and is indexed as CVE 2015 6602, resides in every Android version since 1.0, which was released in 2008. The vulnerability can be exploited on even newer devices with beefed up defenses by exploiting a second vulnerability in LibStageFright, a code library Android uses to process media files. When combined, the flaw allows attackers to use booby-trapped audio or video files to execute malicious code on phones running Android 5.0 or later. Devices running 5.0 or earlier can be similarly exploited when they use a vulnerability or a vulnerable function inside Libutels, a condition that depends on what third-party apps are installed and what functionality came preloaded on their phone. Google representatives have said that the new round of stage fright bugs will be fixed in an update scheduled for release this week. Once Google makes the update available, it could take as long as a week for it to become available to users of Google branded Nexus phones and even longer for other brands. So, Robbie, I have an Android phone. Hmm. How scary is that? <laughs>
0: well, yeah. So, and, really. And you wonder and, about those ads again. It's, it's just it, another entry point, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So hopefully they hurry up with that, that debug. All right. Amazon is to stop selling video streaming TV devices from Google and Apple because they don't interact well with its own media service. The online retailer said it had made the decision to avoid customer confusion and the devices will be removed fr- from sale by October 29th. Amazon wants to sell products that work with its in-house streaming video service known as Prime Video. Prime Video is not available on Apple TV or Google Chromecast, but it can be watched via an app on Apple Apple and Android smartphones and tablets. Amazon said along with its own Fire TV, it will continue to sell other companies' devices that are compatible with Prime Video. These include Microsoft Xbox and Sony's PlayStation. Amazon has rapidly expanded its online content, using it to attract subscribers to its prime loyalty membership scheme, which offers fast delivery on, pur- on purchases. And Google has just unveiled a new version of its Chromecast TV device, and Apple is due to release it the latest version of its TV this month. Richard Windsor, analyst at Edison Investment Research, said that by refusing to sell such products, Amazon could be diminishing the experience of its users. Amazon has used similar tactics with book publishers. Last year, it blocked pre-orders for some books from the publisher Hatchet, while the two sides negotiated over prices. Many authors were angered by the move and accused Amazon of being anti-competitive. One analyst calls it a sledgehammer approach and says it implies that Amazon is doing everything it can to prevent users from accessing what very well may be superior services from its competitors. I... (laughs) I feel like sort of Amazon has the right to do that.
0: Well, I suppose. Um, But is it that they're actually, uh, let's give it another twist and say, could they be using Google's approach and saying either make it work or we're going to pull it? Because if it all revolves around Amazon Prime, what happens if Google suddenly says, okay, fine, we'll include um, full support for Amazon Prime? Mm. Or is that even possible? I, I don't know. No mention of Roku, though, eh? So... Mm-hmm. Hard, to, hard to know because I don't, believe, I don't know of any Amazon Prime. Let me know if I'm wrong. Maybe there is an Amazon Prime uh, mm-hmm. channel for, for Roku, but I haven't seen it.
1: Very interesting. Big thanks this week to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us. If you found a, sto- a news story that you would like to send, email it to newsroom at category5.tv. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the Category5.TV newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis.
0: Thanks, Sasha. This is Category5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. If you're new here, hey, make sure you check out uh, our website, www.category5.tv. It's free to join, free to register, and uh, free to become a part of this really cool community. Uh, join us in the chat room. It's Category5 on Freenode. want to say hi to everybody that's there. Uh, so great to have you, and uh, and so great to have Jason who made the track out here from Teeny Drones over in Quebec? Nice to see you. Well, oh, nice to see you Thanks too. For being yeah, here,
3: thank you for having us.
0: Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about Teeny Drones. We've we've seen um, just so you know we've shown Teeny Drones on on the air yep. uh, previously. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, love uh, these little guys. Uh, as I was mentioning just before the news, uh, perfect little uh, drone for learning uh, because I think there's almost a little bit of a fear to get into drone flight because of the investment. So if I'm going to jump into it. I don't want to crash it. I've seen the YouTube videos hitting the walls.
3: Yeah, you know, when you're flying uh, the larger scale drones, obviously, um, again, when you're going at a higher speed and you have a lot more weight behind you, gravity does its magic, right? So you're definitely going to shatter a lot of larger drones when it comes to that, that's for sure.
0: Tell us a little bit about Teeny Drones, how you got started, what uh, what your vision is for um, the product. And well, the
3: well, basically, um, so Teeny Drones, were coming from Montreal, Canada. Um, we um, we basically got into the drone industry because uh, everyone was always asking us, uh, you know, when we were kids, we all used to fly helicopters, we used to fly planes, right. we used to fly all the different type of uh, RC units. And basically, you'd fly them once and box them, you hit a wall. And, you know, that was the end <laughs> yeah. of your experience with those exactly. a lot of times. Um, so as a you know a big kid myself um, and my partner Olivier, um, we got together and we are like let 's build something you know that 's a little bit more indestructible, something that people could learn on, uh, something that you know people could have fun with whether you 're an adult or a kid right so um, we basically got together and we built the teeny drones so uh, something that you know basically uh, the propellers are very flexible um, it very uh, the body itself the plastics we chose are very flexible as well so you know that could definitely uh you know help you in learning how to fly your drone right. a bit more so uh, looking
0: at, at a teeny drone it, it there are other uh micro drones, drones that, that the, look know. similar well this one's not quite a micro <laughs> yeah sure, exactly compared but to this one <laughs> there are similar looking drones out there that are that are fairly small yeah um Uh, One of the things that stands out to me about the teeny drone is the size of the controller. Why, when they shrink down a drone, do they also shrink down the controller to be this little itty-bitty thing? Versus a teeny drone, if you could hold up the controller, yeah. you see it is a full size controller, comfortable for adults or youth to play with.
3: So, I asked myself the same question when getting into the industry myself. So, um, when I actually seeing other samples, they had small, small remotes. Um, I never understood the concept of it. You know, it's not like a kid uses a different Xbox remote to play Xbox or a different PlayStation right. size remote to play PlayStation. They're all the same size. So, everyone is to this type of size of gaming remote.
0: Yeah, I don't care if I've got a 19-inch TV yeah. or a 32-inch TV. I don't have a little remote. Yeah, that's a little like remote to just, go with it. You know, so it's, 19 just, inch, so it's, it's a 19-inch. It's just really not, not how it worked out yeah, in the industry. It doesn't make any sense.
3: So for myself, I never thought that made sense. Yeah. Uh, and even today, I mean, people want to use full-sized, you know, uh, RC remotes to fly the nano <laughs> drones too. So, <laughs> can that be done? Uh, that can be done actually. Nice. So um, we had some, you know, modders in the community work on that, and they've gotten their the teeny drone to work on their larger remotes. So very cool. So then they could go from flying the racers or their film drones to the teeny drone basically so they could kind of move around all the different channels Mm -hmm. so it's definitely something that uh that that could happen you know so uh, we really thought, you know, like I said, I'm a gamer. Um, so at the end of the day, I never f- figured I'd want to play a game on a small remote. So right. at the end of the day, that's why we went with the larger that's remote. the real it deal. The real deal. Uh, also, get a little bit more distance. We have more room to fit the antenna in there. Okay. It's a larger antenna. It gives you a bit more room. So mm-hmm. you could get some...
0: And you touched on the the quality and the durability of the Teeny Drone itself versus the competitors. Um, Propellers. Maybe you could touch a little bit on that. What, what makes this Teeny Drone stand out from... Uh, was it the CS-10? Uh,
3: well, there's the CX-10, the Cheerson CX-10. CX-10. Um, there's the, the Proto-X. Uh, there's a couple of different versions out there on the market right yeah. now, basically. Uh, there's the Axis drones. And, you know, you can see that they've all kind of gone with similar framing, similar models. Um, so, so the, the we, we've actually changed the propeller quality, which was a big, uh, big one for me, because, you know, sure. especially when learning to fly a drone, I mean, you're pretty much uh, hitting walls and you're hitting tables and you're hitting... Everything all the time. Cats, and- cats, um, uh, girlfriends, fiancés. Uh, you know, in my case, I. <laughs> My beard used to be a bit bigger. I've gone tangled in there a couple oh, yeah? times. Oh yeah, it's coming, coming back towards you and got yeah. stuck in there. You know that that gets stuck. And my fiance has experienced a lot of uh, hair <laughs> hair entanglements. Um, so the propellers do uh, on a lot of other models shatter on impact. We want to go with something that, you know that, that you can get multiple uses out of because you're never going to be a pro in your first couple of hours. Right. So, yeah. uh, knowing that uh, you know give people a better plastic. So we use a type of uh, rubber uh, rubberized plastic which actually okay. gives it uh, a lot flexibility yeah. so when it bends hits a wall you can just bend it back and you know as you've seen it flies yeah, it happened, again it yeah. um same thing with the body right so uh body too a lot of the other uh, ones in the market shatter so the arms and legs and all that type of stuff will shatter on impact we've gone ahead and just you know made it So this of, is the competitors yeah, units yeah yeah that that that's the competitors breaking. you know just you know uh, basically cheaping out on materials maybe in my opinion mm-hmm. um, or maybe maybe just just not knowing Uh, you know they just love drones they they built a drone they fly they're pros at it so they figure it's okay but how about the kids who are just going to hit the wall a hundred times in a row or yeah and
0: you know what i'll be honest with you as a father i've got three three young kids at home 10 8 and 4 and with the teeny drone because of its durability and the fact that you can crash it and stuff i know that it's 14 plus technically but the kids love it and because the, it's not going to disintegrate, I feel more confident as a father to let them play with it. We'll take it out in the field, and they can—they just kind of go up and down and do flips and stuff. But, oh, yeah. but for them, it's a load of fun, and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, if I had this out and, and my ten-year-old trying to fly that.
3: Yeah, I'd, I'd be, I'd be probably pretty nervous. Yeah, I mean, you should be nervous yourself flying that. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, with a TV drone, I don't yeah. have any problems. So. And, and I mean, definitely like May weight. Dist- yeah, yeah, definitely. So weight distribution definitely has a huge uh, factor on that, right? Um, so also because it's only 13 grams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's not much weight for it to have an impact. So when it crashes, uh, obviously that's a big factor that it can't shatter on. an the impact cause there's not enough weight there. Yeah. And same thing within the wind, you know. Um, oh, you're getting really good at this. Uh, Even in the wind, you know, people are always like, oh, but you can't fly it outside. But I'm like, I mean, you you know, the thing is it's so small and has no weight. There's not much weight to push in the wind. So uh, I've gone outside in some really windy conditions and done the test. And, of course, it's going to be more difficult flying than anything in the wind. That's normal. but. I mean,
0: these are incredibly
3: light. Yeah, so... I they, mean, do they, they, they do fly. But they do fly in the wind, and they and can part compete of that against the wind. Uh, I mean, if it's 100 well. kilometers outside, I mean, I don't think anyone should be outside flying anything no. 100 kilometers, no. you know, 100-kilometer yeah. winds. But people, people do like, like to make that argument a lot, so...
0: Okay, so we've got some other components here. Um, teeny drones, of course. Uh, now, this, I should point out, this is the limited edition Teeny drone, so this yeah. includes
3: what? So the limited edition uh, is uh, it includes the carrying case. Uh, it has the, the full drone inside. It has the remote. It has an extra uh, set of um, propellers inside, has the charging cable, uh, and has a a very detailed instruction uh, manual on how to fly it. And what we've actually added recently too is we've opened up our training center, which I want to mention. So we opened up slash training center, which is included in the instruction manual. Okay. So that gives you like how to fly, how to fix, how to repair, how to basically do anything with this little nano drone. So
0: that's the next uh, thing. As a father, okay, they're going to crash it, they're going to wreck it. Um, How hard is it to fix?
3: So uh, again, uh, something that's quite easy to fix. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it has four small screws. So I mean, once you take those off, all the components are seen. Um, so we do sell something called the crash kit. Um, mm-hmm. So if you do so happen to crush this almost indestructible drone, uh, <laughs> and or your dog decides to use it as a chew toy, um, you can get four extra motors, the body, the propellers, and everything to go with it. Okay. Um, so um, very easy to fix, and we have YouTube videos on how to do all that. So cool. you go to our training center. Obviously, we can include the videos in our box, but we have. A Linked to it, and you could go sure, online yeah, that's and learn the way it's how to done, do right? so,
0: yeah. uh, And that I think that we're seeing a trend. Uh, Raspberry Pi is a good example of how we're getting back interested in DIY
3: yeah um uh, the raspberry pi is a great, great example you know i love that thing so um i think a lot of people today are really uh, getting back into the fact of learning how to do all these things on their own right mm-hmm. so uh the so, do-it-yourself kits online are very famous you've got do-it-yourself kits for teeny drones do you? so that's something that's coming out shortly okay. um, we're building on that so we're trying to, to get into the school systems and educational systems so mm-hmm. we're putting together do-it-yourself kits and, you know, really trying to do that. So uh, that's definitely something that we're, we're going to have in the near future. Cool. Um, so that, you know, basically parents and kids can, you know, put together, like, like, I, like we, I used to do with models. Now you'll be able to do with drones. Sure. You know? it's or the when modern, you used to build your Lego day. boat with your, yeah. da- with your dad or your mom, you know, I, I don't think as a, you know, three or four year old or five year old, you knew how to build a whole huge ship yourself. So this is mm-hmm. something that, you know, you'll be able to do with them and enjoy Great.
0: This is Category 5 Technology TV. You'll find us online at www.category5.tv. I'm talking with Jason Manella, who uh, joins us from Teeny Drones. You can find out uh, through our link uh, more about them, cat5.tv slash teenydrones. Uh, and you can also pick up uh, Teeny Drones, uh, which are uh, becoming more and more readily available. I noticed that they're yep. on Amazon Canada at this point.
3: Yep. We just got onto to Amazon. Um, we're reaching out to some larger uh, stores to be announced soon, so that's coming soon. Very good. Um, and basically, you can pick us up online
0: as well anywhere. very cool now this is obviously teeny drones are what uh, it's it's in the name they're very yeah. very tiny we can't really show you up close and personal with the uh, components but you've brought some larger scale components here to show us what how what is this that we're looking at
3: um so basically what i've done here is um since the teen drone is actually a beginner drone right um yeah one people are always gonna be interested in expanding on their skill level so eventually you know people are seeing these type of drones out um you know this is uh what's called a racing drone um so people are getting more into the sports side of drones um mm-hmm. on the video side of drones um so uh, basically, what we our goal to do from teen drones is eventually to so that people could build their, their own kits, like you said, do, to do it yourself. Right, is right getting right. more popular with, with the Raspberry Pis, with computers, with general electronics, robotics, all that type of stuff. So we're li- really, really looking to get into the crowd of people who, who want to build their own drones and uh, fly them, race them, and learn uh, the technical side. Okay, so,
0: just okay. Back, I mean, just I mean, to halt for a second. Yeah.
3: When you say racing,
0: what are we talking about?
3: Um, so uh, in particular, this drone right here that you see on the table. Yeah. So this one is a drone racer, and its maximum speed is actually 80 kilometers an hour. So this drone goes really fast. Uh, so there is a set group of people out there, um, you know, that are creating organizations and groups, and they're getting out there, and they're basically building obstacle courses and races. And, I mean, they're doing it on a professional level. So this is not something, um, you know, that um, is much is This is getting it. real. This is getting very real, yeah. <laughs> very I mean, cool. uh, um, you know, the IDRA, International Drone Racing Association, is a big one. Um, they're huge in the States, so they haven't reached the Canada yet. But, I mean, they're just putting on shows. And, I mean, when I watch these guys, I'm impressed, you know. Wow. It brings me back to the Battlebot days and the Junkyard oh, yeah. Wars and all that type of stuff, you know. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I liked watching on TV when I was a kid. And I can't wait to see. You know, these things emerging into that now, mm-hmm. pretty much.
0: So Teeny Drones, as a company, are you providing kits that we can start building things like racing drones? What's um, the connection there? So,
3: so uh, as a drone company, we decided to open up something called uh, BYOM, Build Your Own Multi uh, Multirotor. Okay. Um, So basically, that's the onset. Um, We're basically just um, using our, you know, telling every all our clients that are using the teeny drone as a beginner, and basically evolving into something a little bit larger. So anyone who has an interest, we're willing to, you know, help them. Through that ease, ease that process for them. You know, bring them from a right. the small guy that they can learn to master, fix and repair for a couple of bucks. You know, and getting into the you know the, the larger sport because you know the big difference again. You know, you break a teeny drone motor, you're looking at maybe three, four dollars. You break you know a, a racing right. motor, you're looking at twenty to forty dollars. or So right,
0: yeah, there's a substantial difference. In uh, it, I can tell just by looking at it. Yeah,
3: you know, you can just tell you know the plastics. This is a, you know carbon fiber, aluminum, and G10. Mm. So you know, you're looking so do at
0: you work to uh, collect the the Contents of these kits, and you figure out what works well together, what flies well together, yeah. so that I don't have to get onto the web and try to figure it out myself.
3: So that's what we're going to be doing with a couple. We're going to have obviously our own signature racers that are mm-hmm. going to be, you know, built by us and stuff that we've tested and you know frames that we've designed or worked with other drone designers to, yep. to get the frames out there. So we'll have our own set kits, and then you could buy all the accessories, and we could either sell it to you built, or we could sell it to you uh, disassembled, so you could build it yourself. Oh, okay. So you're going to have like... So two for two. the
0: DIY, uh, people that, you know, enjoy doing it yourself, well, I could get this as a bunch of parts like this.
3: Yeah, basically, like or you can, I can see buy it here, like this. so this is, you know... Let's uh, see if I
0: can... I'm going to see if I can get right maybe, in here. Yeah, maybe, maybe get it. Yeah?
3: So this is the carbon fiber frame that you would get normally with, uh, you know, your drone. So you have your top plates, you got your... Even this is, This is actually too... I don't know if we could... This is actually to mount a GoPro on it. Um, so for oh, you really? like to film, wow. uh, this is the GoPro mount for it. Um, but, but basically, yeah, you'd be getting the carbon fiber uh, kit, basically, is the frame. You have the four motors, which are separate. You have the what we call the ESCs, which are the basically electronic speed control modules. Yep. Um, so that controls all the motors. Um, so yeah, that's but-
0: like the brains that make it say, hey, uh, I need to... Turn this one down because there's a wind on here? Yeah,
3: so basically, um, what you have here is a, a computer, onboard computer, right? So okay. when all four of these esques uh, uh, are going to connect to the onboard computer, and the onboard computer is going to let it know with the gyro, you know, which motor it needs to pick up so it could keep balance at all right. times, right? right? So that's like the beauty of drones is the fact that they can stay balanced so well, right? That they right. go in the air. Yeah. You know, they could carry a glass of water and not spill it. Stuff like that is something that's mm-hmm. in the programmation of drones. So with this, you're able to really get into that. You know, you're really, uh, you're really able to see all the separate components and put together yourself. And what's really interesting about the onboard computers too is can that. Can you I, see that? Um, yeah. So yeah. maybe let me just open that up so we can take a look. Uh, so this is called um, this is called the CC3D. Okay. So that's a model of onboard computers. There's like anything, there's multiple right. brands. There's multiple different uh, devices. Um, it's pretty self-contained, eh? Yeah, it's 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 well cased. Uh, this model actually uses a CC3D, but in a red uh, metal casing, so it's a little bit more protected if it okay. does get into crashes. Okay. Um, and what this what's nice about this is, if you're in the programming side of stuff as well, is you could use different programs to like flash this board and install your own software. So you could use something called OpenFlight, uh, You could use something really? called Clean Flight. Now, why would you so want different- to do that? I mean,
0: because for me, I I learned from how to control it. Uh, what what is the advantage of reprogramming it?
3: Um, well, I mean, depending what field you're in, are you a videographer, a f- photographer? Are you a racer? Um, are you uh, you know casual user that just wants to fly? So different programs will give you different options.
0: So, for example, would it give me smoother
3: video if I were to program it for video use? Certain ones will. Uh, yeah. So you could actually set um, you know set up um, uh, basically different. Um, I guess not not speeds, but I mean you right. can set different settings to the actual program to allow you as a video videographer to, to use it better. Also, what what it's doing is kind of like uh, cars today. So when there's software updates or there's anything like that going on, <laughs> you could update the, the computer board, which will just give you a, a more stable motion with your drone. Um, obviously, as we're adding new devices to drones too, then this is something that you could upgrade, right? So it's not a hardwired. A computer that you know that you buy once and then you can't do much about it afterwards when the new models come out. This will allow you to actually expand. And wow. when you're in the racing or filming, you know, like you said, you can have a bad crash. So this could come off of your drone. You could just buy a new frame and then oh, continue okay. using it. Oh, okay. So then you it. only have
0: to replace the individual pieces. Exactly. Right. So
3: you know, um, you know, in this case, this is something that could break quite easily. Right. Uh, you know, you hit a wall at 50 kilometers an hour, you're breaking it. So uh, <laughs> this is definitely something. You know, like I said, it's it's in multiple parts. Modern day Lego, you know, pretty much. Uh, so how much
0: soldering, how much skill is involved in a project like this? So this. So going from uh, this pile here. So to going to
3: this pile this. here uh, to this over here. Um, so I, I like to say anyone could do it. Um, You know why? Because the program... Sasha, do you accept this (laughs) challenge? Do you accept this challenge?
1: I did build a Raspberry Pi. It's
3: It's true. true. So So I think, um, you know, if you could learn some basic soldering skills, um, you could pretty much build this. Um, There's not much complication to it other than knowing where positive and negative has to go. Okay. Um, And then other than that, the computer software does most of it for you. So like anything today, it has a nice tutorial. You walk through it. You go step Mm -hmm. by step. uh, And basically um, it'll... Help you program your remote, uh, connect to your receiver, mm, nice. control all your different motors, load your That's balance. Something I don't see here is the remote. Um, so what, the remote, yeah. So let me let me pop that up. Um, so I'm currently using. Oh. Um, so this is a, the bigger remote. This is the uh, the Divvention Devo Seven. Uh, so uh, I have that mounted on uh, with my screen at the moment. Um, yeah. To be honest with you, these type of models don't usually fly with screens. They fly with FPV kits, which means actual goggles that go on your face. So you feel like the pilot. You are in the pilot seat. You're seeing what the drone sees. Um, but um, as an entry level, you know, the the, the screen is the, 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 you know, the less expensive option to go with a drone okay. like this. So when you're looking at this remote and you're looking at, you know, the teenager Drone remote... I mean, you're getting a lot of different uh, functionality that you can involve in here. So um, what's nice, like I said, again, with the programming of these ones is that you could actually program, you know, like hover motions on your switches. So you can actually program your drone to hover in one stable state. Um, if you're adding GPS functionality to these drones, you could, you know, set, set the go home button Is as this well. that
0: modular that I, I could just... add?
3: You could just add to it, yeah. Adding I mean, stuff? You could just cup keep A uh, cup holder, you know, uh, a <laughs> coffee dispenser. Uh, Ooh. Uh, <laughs> now we're
0: okay, so th- with the screen, where is it pulling the video from?
3: So the, I don't see, like, a...
0: So the, so actually... Uh, so oh, okay, so the screen itself has a FPV ha- so, so the screen is
3: attached to this... R- well, you see the antenna on the drone right here, yeah. actually. Okay. And you've got the camera right in the front there. Oh, okay. So this Let's, is like... Uh, this,
0: pull up an overhead for you. So we've
3: got the antenna on the side here.
0: So this is for the
3: um, for the video. This is for the video feed. Not yeah, exactly. the, uh, the controller. No, the controller no, or the no. It has a, a smaller, a smaller uh, receiver for the Is that control. strictly FPV or can it um, record? Um, so f- for this model, it's strictly FPV right now. There's no recording attached to it, but again, something that you can do. Okay. Um, so again, you can add now. a module to this, um, which will then allow you to record uh, your FPV as well. So nice. again, everything is modular under the drone, depending on what you want to do. If you want to get into videography and photography, you could turn this drone into a video, videography and photography drone. Um, but I mean, if, if you're looking for racing, you're going to be looking more, uh, less components, the better, right? So the sure. lighter you are like lighter, a NASCAR, yeah. the lighter you are, the faster mm-hmm. you're going to go. And that's what people are looking to do is hit top speeds with racers. So, hmm. but like, again, this module, you could also just pop a GoPro on top of this drone. So, so this drone actually has the four, the mounts in the front and you can put a mounting plate and then it could launch a GoPro and on the front record. of it. And then you can just hit record and go with the yeah. GoPro on it. So, and as far as balancing, when it, when you get that extra weight, does it
0: automatically balance itself? Uh
3: so automatically or or balances have, itself. It yeah. does. So yeah. I don't have
0: to make sure that it's perfectly centered or anything like that. As far as forward or back it's gonna
3: yeah that's what's really nice about the advanced technology most drones today is that they self-balance so a a quick reset usually allows them to auto calibrate so i don't know if you've noticed that with the teen drone uh if you ever take a bad crash hits a wall and then it doesn't fly right you put put it down on tables a stable table turn it on off reset it and it recalibrates itself Mm so these ones kind of work on the same. They have uh, somewhat of a mini-AI that calculates what's going on and then balances itself to always be stable, right? So it just finds one stable point and always makes its effort to stay there at all the times. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Which you, is why you see you know, some of the really advanced ones could carry glasses of water. That's awesome. Right? Yeah. You, you make the comparison uh,
0: as far as features go, go between this, which yeah. is uh, obviously a, a very sophisticated racing drone, to your teeny drones... Yeah, which are very in a, in a, uh, inexpensive. Yeah, and versatile. And it, it's amazing that I can now I can start with teeny drones, learn to fly, get good at it, yeah. and then upgrade to something like this. And the learning curve is basically nil. No.
3: Yeah, why very, is that? Um, well, basically, uh, when you're looking at something like the teeny drone, um, you know, there's a six-axis gyro on it, so you know you're going to have your yaw, you're going to have your pitch, uh, you're going to have your three sixties. Can, can so. I can I explain
0: to the viewers what that means?
3: Yeah, definitely.
0: So. If, if I'm flying in a wind that's coming up on here, and typically yeah. it would blow the drone this way, well, it's saying, oh, there's a wind, yeah. and it's... Forcefully pushing against it. Pushing back this way, yeah. Um, And similarly, if I'm flying this way, and you know whatever happens, it's going to try. It's going to right itself.
3: It's going to right itself all the time. So um, the way I guess, if we want to go back to the basics, maybe for some viewers who don't know how drones really work, is that um, when it's on a stable table, um, when you're looking at the the gyro, which is actually in this computer. So this computer actually controls the gyro. So when you're programming it, when you go like this, you'll actually see the levitation oh, wow. going on the- so th- this is what actually has the gyro inside of it uh, so it's an electronic gyroscope right? so yep. when, when you're looking at something like this um, basically um, uh, the four motors are working together into one central point so they're all pointing into one central point and basically they're always forcing them to try and keep that point So even when it's turning this way, all four motors are still still trying to get to this point. So these two are going to kick back in and try and bring it back to that point. So that's how I like to describe it to everyone. It's like, picture almost a pyramid going on. And there's a point where they're all focusing towards, and every motor is always pushing that way. That's kind of like what you would want it, uh, how you want the gyro to work properly so that it stays stable at all times, you know? Um, That's interesting. And I I find a lot of people kind of... uh, you know, it's hard to understand that side of it, right? Like, how do they stay so stable? Because mm-hmm. everyone's had the helicopters, right? They've been spinning around rooms yeah. for years now, right? Yeah. And people just don't understand, you know, how these ones could just hover, and you let go of the remote, and they stay where they are, and they don't move at all, almost. You know.
0: Sure. Very cool. Okay, so now this is a up and coming um, line that is coming from uh, from your company. <laughs> yep. Can we contact you to get a hold of one of these now? Even though it's not. Technically available?
3: Yeah, I mean, you could you could hit us up on our email at info at teenydrones.com. dot com. I mean, we are looking for like beta testers and people to help out with the growth of the company as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, people who are willing to you know try this model out, fly it a bit, and send us some fixes, some. You know, enhancements cool. that we could do to it. Yeah. I mean, users will definitely find something I think wrong with it. we've got a whole room full this. of beta testers here. Yeah, to exactly, center. right? So <laughs> Everybody's,
0: Ooh.
1: If I tried flying that, the whole thing would be a fix.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you can start well, with a teeny well, drone, see? I smashed
3: yeah. the wall and it didn't work after, so how do we fix that?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. good to start with the teeny drones, work your way up. Good idea. Okay, well, so it's info at teenydrones.com to yep. find out more. We won't mention anything about pricing or anything. They are quite affordable, as a matter of fact. Yep. Uh, and the reason I won't say specifics is because it's bound to change here and there. As yeah, different- I mean,
3: we're working on materials now. We're testing different stuff. Um, you know, so we're gonna have entry level, uh, you know, setups, and then we're gonna have more advanced setups as well. So
0: cool. Will they ever go faster than 80 kilometers an
3: hour? Oh, that's definite. I mean, the thing, drones will just get faster and faster as they go. I don't think there's going to be a limitation to that right now. Cool. I mean, as for our drones, I mean, um, depending on what we want to do with them. But I mean, <laughs> I've seen, I've already He's seen, like, oh, yeah. Oh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely going to have my own, a uh, 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 different model. that will go with different speeds. But yeah. I've already seen some drones going over 150 kilometers an hour. Which what? Is wild, right? So What? So are going, Where do you get a field that big? Like, you can um, race around a racetrack. Yeah, the, these are racers. Like, you know, they, they stop on, you know, they, they could do like um hairpin corners and stuff like that. Yeah. They could really just go around anything, you know. So these guys are f- pro racers. I don't even know. Like, most people can't even drive a car at 150 kilometers an hour. Yeah. So people are flying drones at that speed and they're just whipping around courses. So I don't, I don't and with, with these people Practice, that right? are
0: that are racing at that speed now, of course, when you, when you get going really, really fast, you're going to kind of have your nose pointed toward the ground a yeah. little bit. Yeah, so you're going to get so like a lot the, of ground view. Yeah, so we see that FPV camera... Uh, focused on the front, so am I looking at the ground as I'm flying? What happens? Um, yeah, so if I'm doing 150 kilometers an hour, I'm not going to be able to really...
3: <laughs> so this this particular uh, camera um, that we're using on this drone has a little bit of a wider view, um, okay. but, um, most, but again, you're still looking a lot at the ground. So yeah. when you are a racer, you are kind of guessing, you're calculating the yes, <laughs> at a certain angle, you shouldn't, Danger, be, Will Robinson. Well, you shouldn't be dropping at sure. that point, you should be staying at the same level and just going forward okay. and then coming around a corner and hoping that you're keeping that level. But again, that's practice, right? That's a lot, a lot of practice. Um, I like to, uh, to, you know, think of like NASCAR, you know, like how people drive at, was it, 200 and something kilometers an hour mm-hmm. on a track. Um, you know, and they're learning every little piece of that track and how to gain right. their time ahead. So, yeah. like, you know, the same things going with drones. You just got to practice every day and get really Learn good the at course. it. Course, so that's pretty much it. You know,
0: very cool. I know this is a 1080p camera. That's cool. So I'd definitely be interested in. But well, you
3: know The the biggest technology I think that's going to change that for racing, and, and I mean even for filming, is attaching the FPV goggles. So the goggles you're actually wearing. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I've heard people that will crash and then they fall over because oh, yeah, they're I, so I mean, weird. I, I've done in it a couple of times, right? Like yeah. jump out of the, the way, like, especially yeah. when you're flying back towards yourself and you see yourself in your own camera, which is a weird thing to see, right? Out of body experience. Yeah, it's like out of body, <laughs> body experience going on and the drone's flying, in, you know, 50 to 80 kilometers at you. Uh, you sometimes do tend to jump or <laughs> even when you hit a wall, I mean, you're still going to like fall backwards because right. like you feel like you hit the wall. I mean, I don't know, like you're pretty much into it. Uh, yeah. You know, while you're flying, you're not thinking like, well, am I flying this or am I just using the remote? You know, you're thinking you're flying. You when know? we were
0: kids, uh, Wonderland had a ride, a ride, which was really just a like an IMAX theater. And you, you stand and, and it feels like you're in the car yeah. and yet you're completely stationary. So I would think it would be kind of the same
3: sensation. Oh yeah, sensation. And, and I think I think it's going to go to the next level where you're going to have. I don't know if you've seen like hydraulic chairs yet. Yeah. So you know, people have built racers. They're cars, not right. No. So imagine connecting that to an FPV camera on, on this. I, I don't nuts. think it's been done, but I mean, that's something I would love to. Well, get. now that you've said it on the air, yeah. It's now, now it's. out. There. out someone, there someone, it. please build it yep. and send me one. Send them an email. <laughs> someone send, send me picture. an email. I'll buy one. <laughs> Can you show us
0: the? Just we're almost out of time here, here Jason. But uh, if if you show us the lighting apparatus that you showed me before the show. Oh, and yeah. really so cool. and and one of the questions that is uh, that keeps coming in: teeny drones. They're very very tiny. Um, oh, cool.
3: Okay, yeah, we got the lights there. Okay, so okay, so it, it, this is for
0: night flying and um, just for awesome. So um,
3: eventually, yes, well, drones are hard to see. Um, so having you know, a big bright light flashing in the back um, is going to allow you to see that that's the back of the drone. So right. when the flashing light is the back, and the forward two eyes is, is you know being very bright. That helps a lot, for sure. Again, also for night flying, is a lot of the fun. I go out at night and fly with it, and the camera itself is night vision on it. So, I mean, you get some really, really? cool oh, night nice. flights with it. Yeah. Um, and you can see really well. They're really <laughs> bright. The LED Too lights, cool. right? So you're getting a lot, a lot of brightness out of them so nice. and if you ever do lose it in the field that you're flying in you, you know you can, it's to find to spot, it yeah. yeah finding something that's just dark black and like sure. dark red in the middle of a field might be a little bit hard i
0: like the light bar at the back too i don't know if you can see that really at home because we're 30 frames a second and it's kind of flashing an led
3: but uh, it yeah, is. Yeah, and you could change the settings yeah, on that. Yeah, you can't even see it flash. Yeah. It's actually flashing every every split second so there. So you could change the settings to do uh, faster flashes, less flashes, or a solid yeah. bar. Um, again, just how you fly and how you want to identify your own drone, basically, cool. for that.
0: So the question I'm getting is uh, teeny drones. Yeah. Do you have or will you ever have cameras in these bad boys?
3: Um, so actually, Which funny is kind enough, of creepy. Uh, when it, 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 it's, it's very
0: small, right?
3: So for your show, you know, we just decided to bring out a prototype with us, which is a mini drone, nano drone with a camera. So we do have a version with the camera. It's not complete yet. So as you can see, um, let's, let's get, it's using oh, a you four. can get in there. Thanks, yeah, Brayden. uh, yeah, Wait. Brayden's over here. Okay, so yeah, sorry. Get right in there. So um, as you can see, uh, it has a very small camera. It's a 480p uh, camera. So you're still getting huh. some de- decent resolution right. out of it. Um, It's a lot of fun, Um, the camera is really neat, you can take pictures, you can do video with it from the remote. Um, we're just trying to work out some battery issues. Obviously, as you're adding cameras to uh, small electronics, sure. um, you're Very, always limited on right? yeah. You're limited on this amount of flight time, right? Which is what everyone wants. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, right, cool. There's a camera, but like, if you only get three minutes of flight time, how much can you really film or take pictures of, right? Yeah. So um, that's definitely something that we're, we're working on. Um, but the model is going to be something that comes out in the future. We definitely would love awesome. for the camera to, you know, be a, a main function on the tiny drone, and yeah. Very cool. Uh,
0: now uh, these these are available at Cap 5tv TV slash Teeny Drones. Do check them out. Um, I absolutely love that. This a, a a learning um, yeah, a drone or a a quadcopter. Drone. So check it out. Cap 5tv TV slash Teeny Drones. And uh, Jason, it's so nice to have you here. Yeah, Thanks for yeah, making the trip yeah, and, no, and, and being on much. the show. Yeah, I definitely. Uh, it's appreciate all very it. exciting. I love the line that uh, that you're bringing into Canada and. Uh, uh, speaking of Canada, are these available in the uh, United States or anywhere else in the world?
3: Yeah, so uh, basically uh, the teen Drones have been shipping out worldwide, uh, as it so happens Perfect. to be. So uh, we've been shipping out to, to uh, about 32 different countries at the moment, and we're strongly pushing our marketing to the States. So hopefully for the Christmas season, uh, they're going to have that. Um, uh, speaking of uh, ordering online, go to cat5.tv
0: slash Teeny Drones. We've got a coupon for 10% off for you right there perfect christmas gift uh and uh jason such a pleasure to have you here thanks for for, for for having us this has been category five technology tv thank you so much for joining us tonight i hope you enjoyed the show and uh, next week we've got a brand new co-host who's going to be joining us and uh, i'm looking forward to a great show uh and a, a great week to everybody so check them out take care everybody we hope you enjoyed the show